0: Welcome to episode 375 of the Reformed Brotherhood. I'm Jesse.
1: And I'm Tony, and we are proud members of the Society of Reformed Podcasters. Hey, brother. Hey, brother. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. This is the first episode of 2024, so I'm pretty stoked.
0: <laughs> a lot of excitement. I am also pretty stoked. Here we come. Can't stop. Won't stop.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think we're gonna have a good, a good uh, conversation today about about the coming year and the excitement that that is. So I'm pretty, pretty pumped to get into it.
0: Yeah, I love this time of year because that impulse for new and fresh things. That there's something that is old, and there's something that's before us that is in some ways uncharted is really lovely. And I think as there's a lot, of course, that's biblical in that. And we serve a God whose jam is to restore, to revive, to change in ways that we couldn't expect before. And I have this theory that everybody actually does like change. yeah. It, or better said, like they like the end product of change. Sometimes they don't like the process of change. Yeah. But everybody loves new stuff. And I, when we talk about wanting to be free, oftentimes we're speaking about this idea of freedom Generally, when you press somebody, believer or not, they say something like, I wish I was free from this thing. That is like they wish they could be something different, changed, transformed, regenerated. So at the end of the day, of course, we can always debate that this turning of the calendar, although like, you know, celestial bodies and all this is part of God's grand creation. It's done with purpose and volition. And yet also I get the argument that really it's just one day to the next. And the turning over of a year doesn't change anything per se. So it doesn't change us from the inside out. But that proclivity, that like little kernel, that seed of wanting the new thing, of desiring the new thing is awesome. So
1: I think this is a good episode to lean into that since we're turning over the year. Yeah, let's do it. Well, before we do that, I think we have to do some affirmations and denial. So I'm, I'm stealing your role right now and i'm going to i'm going to make you pick the dealer's choice and see which you want to go with first. It's great. New new year, new podcast. New Tony, new rules. People are are logging in they're like is this the right is this the right show? I don't understand what's happening. <laughs> I myself
0: don't even know what to do now. I guess i just go.
1: <laughs> is that how it works? Yep, just go. So speaking of it
0: being a new year, i don't think i've ever affirmed this in our conversations, but i really like this. It's kind of a guilty pleasure, but your people are going to be like confused once I say exactly what this is. So again, that lovely kind of sense at the beginning of the year to maybe want to re-imagine or revise your habits. One of those might be how you read the Bible. If you have some volition again to want to be consistently reading the Bible and do it like in a structured way. If you're like me, like to have some kind of post around you that kind of directs you, directs you in, in a particular course. And we're certainly not legalists about this. I think we talked about this before, that the idea of reading the Bible shouldn't be a chore. It's a great blessing to have the scriptures in front of us. And we ought to pray regularly. The Holy Spirit would fill us with a desire to come into process and to metabolize slowly and to savor the word of God. And it's just, again, what a great time to be alive where we have so many options for that. So here's the guilty pleasure. I've been using this for a, a little while, and I like it. The guilty pleasure part is that it's something that I could do myself, but I don't want to. <laughs> and this makes it easy. So the so many Bible reading plans. I prefer, I really love a kind of like a um, McShay version of the plan where you're reading so like the Old Testament, the New Testament, sprinkle in some Psalms, maybe some wisdom literature. I love that format. It's this cohesion that's coming back to me. It's almost like reading the Bible in a serial fashion. Where you're like, oh, yeah, I'm in this part of the Old Testament. And you look forward to it every day. And they're like, oh, yeah, I'm also in this part of the Gospels. It's just so great. Now, I know you can just go online and like download PDF, print out like a version of it where it keeps track of you. Better yet, Tyndale, the publisher, <laughs> creates all these versions of the Bible. They call it, I think, like the one year Bible in all different translations where it's just laid out that way for you automatically. So you just open up the, the text nice. and it's got your Old Testament reading, your New Testament reading your psalm, your wisdom literature. And if you're like me and you want to take it one step further, I do it on Kindle. And I think the Kindle version is like 10 bucks. So yeah. it's it's worth somebody to organize it for you. I love this because it just, it's like having a guide in the scriptures. And then to me, and this might sound strange, but it's true for me, at least psychologically, is when I have it in that format, when I'm reading it, of course, like disjointed from the way it's arranged, the canon is generally arranged in your typical Bible. To me, there's something precious and special about that arrangement. So when I'm picking up that version, when I'm on the Kindle, that's like my daily time of like processing, metabolizing, reading slowly and serially through the Bible. And then when I go and grab the my other texts for study or for our conversation here, it's separate and distinct. So even that kind of psychological, a little bit of like a crowbar between the two is so helpful for me. So you can go check this out on Amazon or anywhere else. Fine books are sold. It's the one year Bible and Kindle does like a bunch of different versions. It's just like an amazingly convenient, indexed, like no frills, no. And, and of course, if you're like, maybe you love 60 bookmarks in your Bible and trying to keep track of everything, that's great. <laughs> just continue to do that. This just makes it so easy, which is why my guilty plug is like, do I need this Bible? No, because I could do it myself. Do I love this Bible though? Because it sets it before me and it's you just sit down with a great mug of coffee or tea and you it's already guiding you through these passages. It's awesome. So Highly affirm the one year Bible.
1: I feel like uh our affirmations and maybe my denial are all gonna be on the same theme here. And it's probably just a function of what happens this time of year for Christians. So I'm I, I think that's great. I mean, I think anything that helps you feel excited and gives you some uh like lattice work to to do your Bible reading is a good thing. Like I, I'm not a big fan. I think you and I have talked about this a little bit on the air. I'm not like a big fan of like chronological Bibles because I think, right. you know, the the order of the canon is not uh, not inspired per se. But there's almost like this middle category. We talked about this when we talked about um, the canon of scripture in the Systematic Series. There's almost like this middle category of like it's not inspired, but it's like not just arbitrary. Like it's divinely pro. Like divinely ordered in a way that is clearly set apart by God, but not in the same fashion as inspiration itself. So like, I don't love chronological Bibles because it sort of arbitrarily breaks up some of that. But I think something like this, where it's self-consciously not rearranging the canon in like the premise behind a chronological Bible is like, there's some utility in reading things in the order of events that had happened. And there's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But, like, the utility in this is, like, this is something people are already doing. They're already right. using these reading plans. And you're right. Like, this just makes it super easy to to follow and to to do something like that. And I think, like, you know, like, there's this old kind of adage that I've heard. I don't know how old it is. I don't know why I say it's old. I guess it's old to me. But, like there's this adage that I've heard a bunch of times, like what's the best Bible translation, the one that you're going to read. So like whatever, whatever translation is going to actually keep you in the word, use that train, even if it's the message. I know that's like, like people are gasping at, I said that, How but like, dare you. even if it's the message or like the new living translation or something we ordinarily wouldn't recommend, like it would be better for someone to be spending some time reading the message and reading like the new living translation or, or a, a real, um, like a real paraphrase kind of translation, than to not read any scripture at all. So I'm totally on board with you on this one. Yeah, of course, like there's, and and you
0: kind of already stole my denial, which I'm going to hang on to for just a second, but there's, you know, a sense in which it's nice to read through, say like a whole book of the Bible, like just day after day. And that's fine too. I do love that it exposed me to this continuity of the scripture, seeing that grand arc of salvation, the salvific plan of God, But you still get that regular order. So of course, like if you're in Luke, you're going to be reading Luke day after day, but it's going to be between. So to me, it's like the most lovely and appropriate buffet of the scriptures where, again, to be on this side of this great compendium, the canon that God has put together for us to enjoy all those things and to see all of them arrive together and to see how they cross mingle and they come together and they cut against like. Just all that experience is really nice. It also practically speaking, and I think this point shouldn't be undervalued and and you were making it really well, is anything that we can do to like remove the hurdles to our reading, to actually having a good text a version of the text in front of us is worth doing because that means we are going to be more inclined. And there is part of this where we want to create good disciplines that that make it easy. so i'll I'm just gonna stop there because I, I really want to hear now what your Affirmation.
1: Is. <laughs> so mine is in the very same same vein. I think I, I, our de- denials are probably going to be in the same category too. If I'm if I'm picking up what you're putting down here. So I used to listen to the ESV uh, ESV Bible podcast, um, yeah. and, and it was you know there was this older older version of like the ESV audio Bible. I don't know who did it. I don't know the guy's name, but I think everybody would recognize who's listened to the ESV audio Bible. And that's fine, but it was kind of like felt a little stale. ESV or Crossway, I should say, has recently released a whole series of differently arranged uh, Bible audio podcasts that uh, go through a segment of the Bible every day. So like, just for an example here, they have the chronological reading plan read by Robert Smith, um, who is kind of like, I guess he seems like sort of the evangelical version of Morgan Freeman as far as narrators go. Um, They have a Through the New Testament in 90 Days with David Cochran. Jackie Hill Perry is reading, I'll listen to the whole Bible in 365 days. Um, This is my favorite. Uh, Kristen Getty reading the Mache Bible Plan uh, through the whole year. So like you can subscribe to these in your podcast feed. and it just pops up in your podcast feed, just like any other podcast. So like the Kristen Getty reading the Mache Plan has been available on the, the ESV Bible app for a long time, but um, it hasn't been available in sort of this podcast format. So you and I have talked about like Dwell before, which one of the main yeah. features of Dwell is it has the ability to use different voices and different right. narrators and different translations. This is basically that, but it's, it's kind of like we were talking about in your affirmation, it's taking away one of the hurdles of spending time listening to the Bible because you're if if you're listening to this show, you're already a podcast listener. Like you already have a podcast application probably. There are a few random people who like listen to an entire episode on the website. I don't know who does that anymore, but if, if that's you, please email us and we can explain gotcha. how to use a podcast app. But like you're already listening to this on a podcast app. So all you gotta do is subscribe to it. So if you go to crossway.org, slash articles, slash ESV dash podcasts, like the most convoluted podcasting uh, thing there is. But you go there, it has a list of all of the different options that they offer. Or you can just search ESV podcasts on most podcast catchers, and I would imagine they would come up. And like I said, I've tried uh, the ones I've listened to, I listened to the chronological plan um, with Robert Smith I listened to a few, or I suppose, just two of the Jackie Hill Perry ones. I find that her voice didn't just didn't really resonate with me with on this particular kind of thing. Uh, but the Kristen Getty one, like the uh, she's got that Irish like accent and she's got a very kind of melodic voice, and it's just very appealing to listen to her read the scriptures. So I just have it in my podcast app, and I have it set up so every time a new episode drops, it automatically adds it to the top of my playlist. So when I start my drive in the morning, it finishes whatever episode of whatever I was listening to. And the next thing that comes up is, is somebody reading the Bible. So again, this is just like a super easy way to get more of the word. And I think this will be come into play when we talk about my denial, but I think sometimes people think that like Bible reading has to take a particular form. It has to have like particular, you have to be putting a particular kind of effort forward in order for it to be valuable. And in reality, like, The Bible and the scriptures confront us in many different ways, in many different formats, if you want to call it that. And so, like, having it on in the background while you're doing the dishes, like, that's just fine. It's totally fine. And faith comes by hearing the word, regardless of necessarily the the format that it's coming in. So check it out. It's ESV uh, Bible Podcast. Again, you can search on most podcast catchers, I think, or you could go to crossway.org slash articles slash ESV dash podcasts for a whole list of the different ones. And they have a couple. Um, it looks like they maybe aren't finished producing them yet. So like they have Ray Ortland doing a 365 day through the Bible or um, Conrad Mabewe uh, doing the Mache Plan. They have a daily office lectionary for like the seven Anglicans that listen to our podcast. Uh they have a lectionary one from the Book of Common Prayer if you want if you're into that. Um that one's read by that one's going to be read by Mike Reeves. Mike Reeves has like a fire voice for this. Yeah, so I'm looking killer. forward to that. Yeah. I, I really like Mike Reeves. Um Mike Reeves is a great theologian too. So you don't have to just listen to him read the Bible, you can listen to him explain it too. So yeah, check it out. I think it's great. I th- I love this kind of stuff. It's it's just Taking away barriers for people to get into the scriptures is is that's all about. Like I'm all about that jam.
0: And by the way, that might be another thing that's kind of underemphasized or undervalued in Western culture is the hearing part that yes. you almost hear people, pun intended, say things like, Well, yeah, I mean, if you can't, if you're not into reading, you can listen to it. Like there's so many ways to listen to it. Yeah. As if like that's like a some of a subgenre of what would be a great way to ingest the Bible? So I'm with you. And I think, like, what's really helpful with that is not only can you you have it on, and that's great. And of course, we never want to make it like explicitly just background. Right. But I think, and I've often done this, is uh, especially for some of those passages that are hard or you're feeling tired, is you just pair it up, you know, put it on and have the text in front of you and track along. But hearing it is so incredibly valuable, especially, I would say, like, when you can hear and meditate. And I think you and I have talked about this, maybe just in private, this idea that studying, the word studying, we talk about like what what do you do to study the scriptures? Like what do you do to study? Like what are your study aids? Yeah. That's like such a contemporary question. You know, like what do you do to study? Really the better question is what do you do to meditate on the scriptures? Yeah. And so that's where being able to again set yourself away from things, whether that's by running your eyes across the page or letting the sound of the words come into your ears in so much as you're spending some time like focusedly in the scriptures, that's like the best thing. I mean, that is, that is what it means to study. So sometimes we get distracted by like, do we have the right highlighters? Do they run through the page? Do I have the right ruler? Like, yeah, that's fine. Diagram it. Like what, who's the lady that does the diagramming stuff? I just lost her name.
1: I don't know. There's probably lots of ladies that do by diagramming stuff. No, the, um, the only person I can uh, think of is John Piper, but that's not a lady. So it Guthrie. What was that? Guthrie? Oh, Nancy Guthrie? She probably does diagramming. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if that's It's
0: it, it's all great. Like right. it, and if that's the thing like you're saying, that really drives and repels you without any kind of overhead that is like a legalistic burden on you yeah. to, to do it, and really is the kind of thing that allows meditation, then yeah, do that thing. So again, this is a great time of year to like to do that thing, but be careful not to like, I think to your point, like overburden yourself. Getting involved in the podcast is a great way to create that rhythm. Getting the right text in front of you that makes it easy is is, is really great. That is essentially like I have to stop here because I'm going to go into the denial. Which you incidentally, you didn't realize this, but you did take it from me. So I'm just going to go really quickly. Would now, may I bring it up now? Sure, you, the floor is yours. Okay, thank you. I appreciate that. Robert's rules. Uh, this, this is this is going to come across as like me being nitpicky, and I'm fine with that. So I'm denying against chronological
1: Bibles. <laughs> Holy- <laughs> I love everything about what just happened.
0: Yeah, no, but here's the thing, loved ones. Not because they're bad, of course. Like, and there was a time where I was working pretty regularly through a chronological Bible, and I found the same thing. It can be helpful from like I guess a historical perspective. You're trying to orient. There are certain parts of scriptures that you might be like, "Oh, look at these dudes are contemporaries." Like that's super helpful, I think, and you might be able to kind of get a more clear trajectory of the things that are happening either contemporaneously or like adjacent to each other, like cheek to cheek, so to speak, and it's arranged for you. I just think there's more cost to benefits on it, especially when you get into some of those harder old testament like law passages where you're like, yeah. oh, I'm just gonna be here for a while. Hello. So I I prefer a different style. So I'm saying that for me at least, I think just a buyer beware out there, the chronological Bible, oh, it'll get you. I, I mean it it it's helpful, but I also think you you end up then in these purposely, of course, like com- large compartmentalized sections yeah. that sometimes are slog. And I think we can be honest about that. There's some parts of scripture that are really draw us more easily than others. And then I think you're going to have like your year is going to be bifurcated, of course, by both Old and New Testaments. But even beyond that, it's going to be pretty bifurcated. There'll be parts where you're going to be really dislocated from the rest of the scriptures. But you're basically giving all that up to say, I really want to have something that's really on this timeline. I'm just with you. I'm not sure the timeline thing is worth it. Like the juice might not be worth that squeeze.
1: Yeah. You know, maybe I'll, I'll say something positive about chronological. So I'm a fan of chronological reading plans, or maybe study plans, is a better way to phrase it. Like, there is definitely some utility in understanding, uh, or or maybe say like interspersing the Psalms of David in into the into First Second Kings and Chronic, like interspersing that so you have the context for the Psalms. But a couple things that. Frustrate me is that like uh, most of the psalms, maybe not most. I haven't. I shouldn't say most because I don't know that. But many of the psalms, we have no idea what the context is. We have no concept apart from maybe some of them. Like it was written by David. So like we have this this range of time of David's life, which is long for most people in that time frame, and it just gets plopped in there somewhere. Or like the proverbs, we have a lot of like the proverbs are the same way. Like they get tossed in there in Solomon's reign, but we really have no idea when they were phrased or when they were written. But where I think a chronological reading plan can be strong is exactly like you're saying. There's utility. Like um, when we did the Micah series, honestly, this is maybe to my own shame as a biblical studies major and someone who's a seminary graduate, I didn't really understand how closely related the book of Isaiah or portions of Isaiah and Micah really were. So like having that kind of stuff set before you and, and put in front of you is fine. And I think... Where I get a little bit suspicious, and and the reason I'm so like opposed to chronological Bibles is I actually read, uh, I had a chron, I'm sure I have a chronological Bible somewhere in my library. I'm, I'm it's kind of first world problem that I'm not even a hundred percent sure that I do. Um, I read a chronological Bible one time, and the introduction basically said something similar to, "We finally put the Bible in the right order." That was like, <laughs> I was like, okay, first of all, like. Yes, the canon's not inspired, but like, hold on a second here. Like, you really think after 2,000 years of history that you got it right? Um, Especially when so much, and this is, people might be surprised to hear us say this, but like so much of the historiography of the Old Testament has a lot of question marks associated with it. Like, where does the book of Job go? Most people traditionally would say that it, it is the oldest event in the bible right. like apart from maybe the flood like it happened like right after the flood but we don't actually know that there are good there are good arguments that places job variously throughout the book of genesis in terms of like where it falls in the timeline so when we have a chronological bible you're automatically assuming someone else's interpretation of certain elements of the bible which is is okay if you go into it knowing that but i think because because western theology and western historiography places such an emphasis on like chronological ordering like that's a problem because we we think we've got it right and like right. i maybe i don't know maybe you've run into it i haven't run into a chronological bible that really like reorders the the gospel accounts but there are elements of the gospels that we know happen in different orders in different gospels for to make theological points, right. so I, I think that there are some dangers there. But again, if if you're a history nerd and you love that, and that's the way that's going to get you to read the scriptures, is that you're going to put everything on a timeline and you're going to chart it all out like one of those red string conspiracy boards um, from the internet. That's then that more power to you. But I'm totally with you that like there are a lot of pitfalls that come with that kind of thing. The um, Dr. Horner method, have you heard of the Dr. Horner method for Bible? Yes. Like there's an element that the same kind of issue comes to the fore for me is like he has, um, the Horner method has you reading Acts every single month and like okay so this guy this guy has decided for you that acts is more important than the rest of the bible like you right. need to read acts and proverbs <laughs> more frequently than everything else right. and like i okay like i understand there are parts of the bible that are more important than other parts of the bible like romans 1 and romans 8 are more important than like the first 6 chapters of or 10 chapters of second chronicles or whatever it is that's like a thousand pages of genealogy like there are more important parts but That's something that I think we we ought to be cautious of, and the chronological Bibles, chronological reading plans, tend to try to make it seem like the the chronological ordering of things is the most important feature of the Bible, and that's probably in some ways like the least important feature of the scriptures. Like really, like the order of events is not the most important thing for you to land when you're reading the Bible. Right. My point
0: is think it might be overvalued. That's just what yeah. I'm saying. I yeah. think we might have priced a little, a little bit too much in there on their chronology. and I, again, I don't want anybody to hear me saying like uh, the entire scripture is about Jesus. so right. like we're in you can be in reading in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, and you're seeing in that law all the beauty and the glory of Christ absolutely. Yeah. so, but you know, again, maybe no, we should do we should make a plan where you you read Leviticus every month like that's just. <laughs>
1: I, 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 would love I love that. I love the book of like Leviticus. That.
0: Yeah. And again, I think that we can all, I think actually when we see them, so to me, like this is just my opinion, but having the scriptures set before you in the way that I just described that I particularly enjoy to me is like having all of these beautiful jewels set in a piece of jewelry and it's seeing them together and amongst each other that also draws me into seeing their beauty because again, I appreciate it in a little bit more bite-sized way. Knowing that it can captivate me in that moment as I'm meditating on it in that day. That's not to say, of course, you can't do that by just reading that one particular passage right. all the way through. It's I just think there. This is the great beauty and the joy that we have to, with all these resources and the freedom in Christ to meditate on the scriptures in various ways. It's just that it turns out the Chronicle Control Bible is is not my jam. So yeah. all right, we, now that we've dumped thoroughly on that. What what, is, what are you denying?
1: Well, before we move on to my denial, let me put in one little plug. We, we haven't talked about this for a little while, but w- we are actually still, I suppose, sponsored by Lagos Bible Software. So um, one of the things that... I think one of the first things we ever talked about about why we love Bi- Lagos Bible Software is that it has the ability for you to create custom reading plans for any, sure. any book in your Lagos library, whether it's the Bible or Like, I have a reading plan that I'm working through to work through the Institutes of the Christian Religion for a second or third time over the next, like, year and a half. So, like, you can go to reformbrotherhood.com slash Logos. It'll automatically redirect you to our affiliate page. If you're interested in purchasing Logos, please do use that link because we do make a, a small... Uh, they call it a commission. I don't love that term, but we do make a small commission on that. And Jesse and I have uh, consistently opted to utilize that commission to increase our Logos software library rather than to take just a straight check. And the reason we've done that is because we've, we find value in the resources and we want to use the resources and the funds that come to us to invest back into the show. And, and our partnership with Logos Bible software has really done that. Um, so If you're interested in in creating your own Bible reading plan, and they have all sorts of pre-programmed ones, Mache chronological, they have all that stuff built in. But you can you can literally hack your own Bible program in terms of like your own reading order. So this year we'll talk about this more. Like we're starting to drift into the topic, and we'll we'll get there. But like this year, I'm reading. Genesis through Revelation, but I also feel that same thing that you're talking about that, like, I don't want to just be like, well, I'm only going to read the Old Testament for the whole first, like, first thirds, like two thirds of the year, and then the New Testament. So, like, I'm doing Genesis through uh, Revelation in the ESV, and I also have a second plan program where I'm reading Isaiah through Revelation and then Genesis through Song of Songs um, in that order for the sec like, in a different translation. So, Logos Bible software really gives you this ability to create your own Bible reading plan. If you wanted to read Leviticus every month, like we said that as a joke, but if you wanted to do a deep dive of Leviticus every month, there would be a way for you to say, I want to read Leviticus 12 times over the next 12 months, and it would automatically subdivide that into equal, roughly equal portions so you have a reading plan built. So it's a super powerful tool if you want to use it to read the Bible and something like a reading plan or a structured Bible like Jesse's talking about is useful for you, um, you can do that on a custom basis too. And I, like I said, I hadn't planned on this becoming like a major advertisement, but if you if you are interested in it, you can get a discount on Logos Silver, which has a ton of great resources. If you go to uh, reform slash Logos and purchase through that link, we like I said, we do get a little bit of a of a commission on that and uh, I think they actually might call it a bounty now, which is even worse than a commission. Oh, no, that's but I love uh, that. either way, like we, we get a little bit of a of a funding boost for that, and we've consistently used that to reinvest in the show by by furthering our own ability to study and to to dive into God's word. So check that out. But I'll I'll, I'll just jump straight into my denial because it's it's like the all Bible plan episode, all episode, I guess my denial is being overly legalistic about your reading, your Bible reading plans. Oh, here we And go. this time of year, like if you have like, I I'm subscribed to a bunch of different blogs and it's like clockwork every year, December, usually like December 27th. It's like, everybody wants to tell me what Bible reading plan I should use for next year. And like January 5th, every year, it's like how to get back on track. If you've fallen off of your Bible reading plan. And, what I don't often see is the article that's like, "Hey, so I know that you've got a newborn and you haven't read your Bible for seven months, and that's ok. Like that maybe is an exaggeration. But like life happens, and life gets in the way, And I think we can take what is supposed to be a joyful communion with our Lord, right? we We encounter God in the scriptures. So we don't come to the scriptures to check a task off our task list. We don't come to the scriptures primarily to increase our knowledge or to increase our ability to play Bible trivia or to uh, to produce a podcast or to answer a critic. We come to the Bible primarily, first and foremost, to encounter the God of the Bible, and so we can take what should be um, what should be a very joyful. I don't want to say casual, but a joyful, almost light encounter, like it should be a joy to come to the scriptures in the morning or in the evening or whatever you do it. Even the fact that we tend to say like in the morning, that even adds an element of legalism to it, right? right? So I just want to deny this idea that somehow a structured Bible reading program is a mandatory thing for all Christians. That's not a biblical principle. That doesn't mean obviously as Jesse and I have just spent like the last 30 minutes talking about Bible reading plans and how great they are and how what different ones you should use and how you should access them. It doesn't mean that they're not profitable and useful and that you shouldn't work hard to do it. Like anything that's worth having is worth striving after and reading the Bible and understanding the Bible is no different, but there gets to be a point in most Christians life where reading the Bible feels like a task and a chore. And when you've reached that point, Sometimes we have to do something that feels like a task because it's our own, like our own sinfulness, our own laziness that's getting in the way. But I think more often than not for Christians, it's because we've made Bible reading and particularly like structured Bible reading, quiet time Bible reading or priority time reading, whatever you call it. We've made that some sort of legalistic hurdle to jump over in order to like obtain God's blessing or somehow make our Christian life worthwhile. And I just think that's a really dangerous perspective to have, especially this time of year. At the beginning of the year, it's super easy to fall into that trap. That's a good word. It's not as if Bible reading
0: somehow has the same kind of benefits as you're going to change your diet or do more exercise or eat less sugar. It really is about communing with God. So the minute that we take that away, we, you and we even I've talked about it before, we talked about daily worship opposed to using, even how we talk about it, changing the words from like devotions or quiet yeah. time. Um, I'm totally with you on that. I, I hope people feel at liberty and ease then to take all these great tools and use them in liberty before you. And you and I've said that also only not, not like explicitly biblical, this idea that you must read. We should want to consume, but we have to pray into that continually yeah. because we're going to be pulled away. So, to do it for the sake of having this feeling like oh, I did my quiet time today. So, God is probably more pleased with me, even if we have that in the back of our mind. And it, I've done that time. Yeah. It's oh, easy yeah, to sure. think, I've somehow served God better today. He loves me more. I've ingratiated myself more towards Him, is of course to betray all kinds of other theological nonsense when we think that way. So, it's better to be in a place where We have the discipline to make it a priority, knowing that in prioritizing that, we're coming to God with regular desire for communion, while at the same time not doing it simply because it'll make us feel better or feel more privileged or feel more righteous. None of those things are particularly helpful or practical. And last, not only is it not necessarily a biblical principle, it's not like a historical principle either, because for most of history... The question wasn't, did you read your Bible? Did you pray today? It was, did you pray today? Like, have you had time with God to pray and to converse? So you and I have been outspoken before. If for some reason your schedule on a particular day allows you just one of those things, pray. Yeah. Pray. I mean, certainly I wouldn't say like forsake prayer for reading the Bible and then think, well, I've done a great job at communing with God today. That, That may be helpful. I think the priority, the hegemony, should always go toward prayer. And this also should like ramp us up for the proclamation and the reading of the scripture on the Lord's day so that we're hearing it with our brothers and sisters. And that's a whole other thing that could become an episode. I just look at the time and I realize (laughs) time, time eludes us. But again, everybody, I would say, go and do that communing with God. Go and do that daily worship. Pray through that. Do it with your family. Do it in private. Find a way in which you are doing those things and pursuing those things with a kind of joy and ask that the Holy Spirit would all give us that, that kind of joy as we go forward. And, you know, I'm thankful that we can even talk about this, that people support the podcast. I mean, again, if you want to support us, you can go to bounty.com backslash. <laughs> just kidding. Is that it's a swapping. sponsorship from paper towels, bounty.com? I did check it just cause I knew somebody would go to this website. <laughs> it's like a, it's a pregnancy and parenting kind of like discount. Wow website so instead swap the yeah. bounty for patreon yeah. and yeah. then you can find us <laughs> but i love this idea of bounty both like the bounty of blessing and the bounty of like some kind of you know financial remuneration yeah. so anyway it is a new year we talked about that a little bit tease a little bit we thought let's talk about a couple of things that we plan lord willing on doing this particular year in a couple of different categories things are like reading Things we're looking forward to, maybe disciplines we'd like to undertake yeah. or refresh in our lives. Is do we have time for those three? What do you think? Can yeah. we do it?
1: Yeah, let's do it. I mean, we can right. do whatever we want. This is our what,
0: what do you where do you want to start? We got things you're gonna read, maybe disciplines you wanna refresh, things you're looking forward to.
1: Go. Yeah, let, let's just start with the like the low-hanging fruit, things we're gonna read. Cause I know like most people. Uh, maybe not most people. I think a lot of people in our circles sort of have this vision for what they want to do for the next year for their reading list. This is the first year that I think I've actually set aside like a target. Everybody does like their Goodreads challenge, but like I want to, I've been really convicted that the goal shouldn't be to read a ton of stuff. It should be to read whatever I'm reading, I should read it well. So I'm limiting myself to a goal of basically like 12 books for the next year. I'm sure I'll probably will read more than 12 books next year. Maybe not full books, but I'll read, I'll read. Um, I'm, I'm not going to target more than 12 books next year. So I wanted to just like talk about that because some of these, some of the books that people are I think people will be surprised but what you and I are reading. So I don't know what's on your list. and I don't know. I mean, you and I talked a little bit about it over the last week when we were together for Christmas. But um, I'm interested to hear like what books are on your TBR list for the next year. So why don't we go back and forth? Like you you name, because this could be,
0: you picked the question that uh, to my mind could be the entire episode. Be, so yeah. like, just so much good stuff. So how about you start first? And I, just for the sake of editing, in case anybody's interested, like I love finance as much as i love theology so i'm going to purposely forsake the finance stuff that's on my list but if somebody wants that here's how you can reach out go to t.me backslash reform brotherhood join our telegram chat get in there and happy to talk about those books but we'll keep it in this vein of, of theology so you give a book then i give a book and we'll just keep going for four or five hours
1: go ahead yeah yeah, so the first book I'm I'm reading, and I'm it's a continuation from the past year is uh, actually John Calvin's camp commentaries on the Book of uh, uh, Habakkuk, which is I suppose technically it's a little bit of a misnomer to say that this is a whole book. It's like a subsection of a book, but uh, I have an opportunity to preach from time to time at our church, and I just finished my series in the Book of James last summer. And so I'm working through Habakkuk to kind of round that out. Um, and when I have my next opportunity to get in the pulpit, I'm planning on starting Habakkuk. So I've been working on that. I'm going to continue in the new year. That's awesome. So I, I, we should have said, everybody,
0: stop what you're doing, pull over the car, get out your phone, get a piece of paper, because we're just going to name a bunch of titles. Exactly. So yeah. If, if you're interested in any of these, um, well, they won't be in the show notes. So you're just going to have to make your own show. That's what we do. This is a self show notes show. Note show. It's make true. your own show notes. It's all true. right. Uh, my turn. Here's a, as a precursor to my reading list about theology. This year, I'm all over the place. I purposely have put together a bunch of readings from people in different theological streams. So don't at me. You're going to hear this, uh, that there are going to be lots of people. And the first one is the one of our resident Lutherans that we have to get back on the podcast. Chad Bird's book, your God is too glorious. Finding God in the most unexpected places. So there's the my first uh, Lutheran flavor. All right, back to you, sir.
1: So um, I'm also, you know, I've I've been on a stoicism kick for the last I don't know year, maybe nine months, whatever. So I've I'm gonna I'm gonna double dip a little bit here. Um, I picked up a copy of the Daily Dad by Ryan Holiday, which is uh, it's daily meditations, sort of in the stoic. Uh, sort of stoic vein of thinking that Ryan Holiday is known for. Uh, and I also, for Christmas, got a copy of his book, Courage is Calling. So he did this little, he's working on this little series on the different stoic virtues and Courage is one of them. So I'm looking forward to that. So Courage is Calling is one of them. They're they're short. Um, he did Obstacles of the Way, Discipline is Destiny, lots of good books like that. So Daily Dad and Courage is Calling are the two Ryan Holiday books that I've picked up that I'm going to read. That's awesome. Now, I think everybody in their list needs like a little triggering, needs like a little polemic
0: fun, if you know what I'm talking about, needs yeah. like a a little bit of like a throwdown. So on my list, you have to, as far as I'm concerned, it's not a list if there's not a Puritan on it. And so the Puritan slot this year goes to John Owen's A Display of Arminianism, Ooh. which is a treatise that shows the inconsistencies of the Arminian perspective as they cannot be squared with scripture. So nice. I'm super stoked about this. Again, I think it's like, this is like more or less in the public domain. So you can all go get a copy of a display Arminianism. And I like that. I love this this is classic. Owen. it's his red boots all up on you. It's, um, the title itself seems like it would be as if it's like playing towards Arminianism. I like that. And it's like, no, it's not, it's not not nice. These
1: these red boots may were made for walking and that's just (laughs) what they'll do. One of these days, these red boots are going to walk all over Jacob Arminius. <laughs> exactly.
0: So there you go. There's, there's my Puritan slot, a display of Arminianism.
1: Yeah. So, um, another book that I'm, I'm going to work on, and this is a book that I've dipped into over the past couple years. And I'm a little bit ashamed to say I've never actually finished it is I'm finally going to get around to finishing the same God who works all things by Adonis Vidu. Oh,
0: nice. Um,
1: You know, the, 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 Theology proper wars are still red hot on the internet, so I hear,, uh, but I haven't really been involved in them since I've jumped off social media. But I'm planning on finishing that out this year. it's It's a super dense uh, book, so it probably will take me all year just to really go through it slowly and understand it. but it it's from the from what I've read of it, it's amazing, so I'm really looking forward to that. That's awesome. That's a great one. So
0: this is another this is a book that will mess you up. I'm actually coming back and reading this again. It's the kind of book. You want to read and put into practice, like read maybe you've read these books. You read a chapter and you're like, Okay, it's time to go after this chapter, it's time yeah. to try some of these things. It's trying to put this stuff into practice. So, I bet this is a book that most people have not heard of. It's popular in some circles, and uh, it's by Dr. Rob Reimer. It's called Soul Care Seven Transmational Principles for a Healthy Soul, and this goes through. These profound healing tools of God about securing your identity, repentance, breaking family sin patterns, forgiving others, healing wounds, overcoming fears, deliverance. It is, it's like a, and I, I don't want it's going to come across cliche, but it's the only way I can kind of couch this. It's like a massive spiritual counseling session in a book. It will mess you up, but I guarantee it'll force you to think and consider and ask questions that you probably haven't done before. So if you're looking for something like way off the spectrum, that way off is in like out in the field, but maybe totally different than some of the stuff you've read before. I can vouch for this book and it will certainly put you in a frame of rhyme, rhyme to rhyme, flame, frame of mind, (laughs) flame
1: of mind, flame of rhyme.
0: I was looking that Rob rhymer and it's like rhyme frame of Rob rhymer. Um, (laughs) To really, I think, help you process. We just talked about practical theology. This is a book that's just all shoe leather. Yeah. So if any of those things appeal to you, if if there are wounds in your life, if you have great fear that you like to overcome, if you come from a family where you feel like there's been patterns of habitual sin, if if you want something to really challenge you to help you process those things, uh, Rob Bradman will do it in his book, Seven Transformational Principles for a Healthy Soul.
1: Nice. Nice. So I think because this could literally be, we could just do this for the next 20 minutes. and I don't know that that's great podcasting. I think this will be, I'm going to call an executive decision. This will be the last entry. So my next and last entry on the list of books that I'm reading, although there are many more books, uh, is a book called A Big Gospel in Small Places. And the subtitle, I don't normally like subtitles on books, but this is important. Why Ministry in Forgotten Communities Matter. And this is a book by Stephen Whitmer. And I think I mentioned a, a, com, a, a regional conference that I went to recently called Small Town Summits, and the the listener to the podcast who's been with us for a while knows that I'm an elder in an incredibly small church. Most people, when they think of a small church, they think like 30 members. I think right now we have eight members, and so that's actually not an uncommon scenario in uh, rural New England churches to have like, what people might consider these micro congregations. And I haven't read the book yet, obviously, but I think the subtitle actually is, it It sort of reveals that this book is more than just how to do rural or how to do small town, um, ministry. It's really about the idea that like there are no places in God's creation that God doesn't want to have his church be present. So I'm really looking forward to this because I'm I'm not going to be probably in a small church forever. Like I'll probably be in other churches sometime in in the course of my life. But there are always these small forgotten communities even within big places that still need the gospel. So I'm looking forward to reading this book. And I've met Stephen. He's a good dude. I've heard him preach. I've been to conferences where he's at. I've had conversations with him. He's a really, really sharp guy. Um, He started this Small Town Summits ministry, which is sort of like an affiliate of Gospel Coalition. He started it with a couple other guys. Um, So I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to have a lot of really good information and really good insight about ministry in forgotten small places. I love it. That's
0: fantastic. All right. So this is hard because I'm trying to Think what I want my last entry to be, and again, I realize we could just do this forever. It might be great podcasting. Who knows? Like people might actually be. I hope somebody's jotting these down. So, here's uh, my last and diverse offering, and that is, it's called "Sing: How Worship Transforms Your Life, Family, and Church." You know who it's by, right? You're listening to her apparently on the Bible app.
1: Yeah, I, I haven't. I didn't know she wrote the book. I didn't know there was a book, but I know they have the sing conference.
0: Yes. Yeah, so this kind of, I think, is all the theology. It's not necessarily about the same conference. It's by Keith Getty and right. Kristen Getty, by the way, if, if people are tracking with us, hopefully, got that inside joke. So this is not necessarily about the conference itself, but it is all of the theological underpinnings. And this comes like highly reviewed everywhere. And it's not just for musicians. I think this is, again, orienting our experience in church, what we ought to. Receive from singing, how we have to participate in it, and why God calls us to it. I can say the first sentence of the book reads this We are singing people because it is how God created us, it's what we do. And when we do, we're simply joining in with what the rest of creation is already doing. That's a, what a beautiful yeah. entry point into understanding singing. So maybe you're the kind of person that was, has never been into singing. Maybe you feel like you don't have a great voice. And so for that reason, like you've never felt you had a really penchant or talent to participate in something. I'd say this might be a great thing to pick up. It's 140 pages. It's apparently very approachable and you can read it with me this year and we'll compare notes. So, all right, there we go. All kinds of good books for people to, and again, if you're in the Telegram chat, this is your opportunity to drop in some of your reading list and let's compare notes and we'll just keep this big reading list jambalaya going strong. All right, next topic. We got like 12 minutes. Yeah. Let's go to disciplines. What is something that you'd like to undertake this year or refresh in your life or yeah. Refocused on what do you think?
1: Yeah. I, there's a couple of things that I'm wanting to focus on. One of them I don't think is going to be a surprise to anybody. I'm trying to really dive into the bullet journal method, like as an actual, like comprehensive method. So over the last year, I've dipped my toe into it in really like, really like limited fashion in that I've had like a very small set of things that I log every day and I do it in the, in the morning every single day the same way. But the bullet journal method really is is supposed to be this, I shouldn't say supposed to be because it's supposed to be whatever you need it to be. But the bullet journal method really is and can be this comprehensive, almost like life management and processing methodology. And I don't mean processing in the product like productivity sense, it can be that too. But it really is supposed to be this Almost like this soil that you use, you sow into it your journal entries or your your rapid logging entries, and what you're able to reap out of it is all this different insight and different sort of like assessment and reflection on your life. And I I've never really dived into that dived dove dovid, whatever the past tense of that is. <laughs> I've never really like jumped into that process with both feet. And I'm really wanting to try it for the year. Um so I, I think it's a it's an interesting I don't know that I want to call it a spiritual practice or a spiritual discipline at this point, because I, I don't think that it necessarily is. I think that a Christian doing it is necessarily going to yield spiritual results. So I'm looking forward to seeing kind of how God uses this process to sort of like bring bring about some change and some transformation as I really focus on like reflecting on what's going on in my life rather than just processing or noticing what's going on in my life.
0: Yeah, that fits in with your goal to slim down that reading list so yeah. that you're actually reading like volitionally and focusedly. And I know what you're talking about because there's one thing I've certainly been in past stages where it felt like volume was the key. Like, let me read a lot of stuff and just kind of get some knowledge and some things in my head, some vague terms. But if you're reading in such a way to like really consume it and you like, you yeah. want it to become part of the essence of your being, that's a totally different thing. It takes more time, but I don't think it's like any less satisfying. In fact, I yeah. it's probably more satisfying. And if you're not reading to like teach somebody else, but you're reading to be taught, or you're having the book read you in a way, which is a yeah. great way to process the scriptures. It's really a lot better to slow down, to be more deliberate, and to build those habits in like across your life. So you having like a bullet journal, where part of that is going to be your reading experience. Everything starts to become seamless
1: and to integrate together. Yeah, and
0: that's a really great goal. So I'm curious to see how that works
1: out. Yeah. One other thing and I'll just drop this out there and and hopefully people are interested in this. I want to get back to my roots a little bit and actually write a little bit more. So, I started my I don't know if you want to call it a career, but like I started my internet presence like most people did in the, you know, early 2000s with a blog and I haven't done anything with it for many years. Um, but I noticed actually, I, I went, I don't know why I did, but I went there to update like the plugins and I hadn't updated them for like seven months. And there's still a pretty steady trickle of people who come and read articles on the Reformed Arsenal blog. So I'd like to get back to my roots a little bit and spend a little bit of time writing some articles and doing a little bit more um, long form writing that I have in the past. So that's something I want to focus on. Hopefully people are interested in what I have to say on that side of things too. But I think the other element of all this is there is a drive in what people call hustle culture to produce something and to like produce something that's going to yield a return. But one of the things I've learned in my study of stoicism over the last year and kind of stoic practices and sort of trying to integrate that into Christian disciplines, producing something just for the sake of someone else consuming it is not not necessarily bad, but it's not also the only reason to produce something. Sometimes you write, sometimes you spend time writing a blog article because it's what you need to do to process a theological topic or to process your thoughts on something. So, I don't think it's gonna, it's not gonna be like a journal blog where I'm just writing my own thoughts and my own deep, you know, my own deep secrets. I'm not gonna publish my bullet journal, but it's gonna, I'm hoping to spend more time actually like processing theological thoughts out loud in that venue rather than on the podcast because this is great and we love the podcast and we're gonna continue doing the podcast. There's no plans to shut it down or anything like that. But it's different when you have to put things in writing and they're going to live in a, a durable form, in a, a discernible, accessible form uh, in writing. It's a different process that I'm looking forward to getting back to.
0: Right. That's great. Yeah. Oh, those are like super noble goals. And again, I think everybody should try to pick something that's disciplined, even if it's just on the margin. This is the getting 1% better, right? right. Just yeah. trying something small that's attainable, not overwhelming. Because everybody is busy and God has given us lots of responsibilities. We have to serve into those responsibilities with all the gusto we have without burning ourselves out by, like you said, the side hustles where we feel compelled right. to like do something, be better, do the big next big thing. But you can do the next small thing. And I think everybody should try to reach out this time of year and find those things. Be thoughtful about it. You don't have to jump into it. Those are great.
1: Yeah. What about, what about you? What are you looking forward to next year?
0: Two things real quick. And what I've realized is everything I'm saying is just an excuse for me to list more books. So that's what I'm going to do. <laughs> one of the things I want to do is I want to read more books with my wife. Not necessarily like with my wife, although we could do that, like just sit and sip tea and read out loud to each other while we look into each other's eyes or one person looks at the other person while the other
1: person's reading. <laughs> if you look I'm into her eyes while you're reading a book, well, that would be an
0: impressive yeah. skill. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Or we just listen to it together. Somebody read it to us and we look into each other's eyes even more potentially awkward, but super fun. Um, That might be nice as well, but just more things that we could read and then discuss together that we could casually talk about as we're coming and going in our lives. Not because we need more things to talk about because we don't have those things, but more things that provide an entry point into like unique and maybe different spiritual conversations that we might not otherwise have. So one of those books is by J.H.P., Jackie Hill Perry. This is one that my wife Jen wanted to read. And I thought, you know what? I want to read this too. I want to come alongside. Let's let's talk about it. So it's Holier Than Thou, How God's Holiness Helps Us Trust Him, which I kind of feel like is the J.H.P. somewhat version of like some of Sproul's work. Like J.H.P. is fantastic in, in my mind. So I, I'm looking forward to this. So this is going to be one among many, I think. Yeah. But I want to do some more togetherness stuff. And like reading, my wife is not a reader by nature. So I've really been enjoying reading some of the things that she is interested in, even if it wouldn't appear naturally on my list for no particular reason. Like it's nothing that she's reading, it's like not stuff that I would enjoy. It's just that she's probably not going to pick up a display of Arminianism by John Owen. So (laughs) this is just a nice way to commune with her, to commune with God, and to come closer for all of us to come closer together as we discuss. Second thing is uh, I'm also into the writing, but not the kind you're talking about because I really am not a great writer. I really dislike writing. And for some reason I went to to work with numbers so I wouldn't write and now I write more than I could have possibly ever imagined. And I don't know what happened in my life. I want to write more music and I want to write more music for a church. I want to write more music for me. And just like you're saying, in a way that is first driven by my own expression of worship as I'm doing daily worship stuff. And so one of the ways I want to get better at that is I've just now gotten into this routine. I'm going to lean into it where when the melody strikes me, I'm just grabbing my phone now. And I just recorded these little snippets of a melody that hits me. Oftentimes it happens in the shower. So now I literally have sometimes like just vacated the shower, like just running through the house to grab my phone, just to record a couple of notes that I can, that allows me then to get it out of my mind. I can remember it and then I can come back to it later. And this has been just a really great practice for me. So I like to be able to have these little pieces of music on the side because I've discovered that in my own church experience, as the life of my church unfolds in unique ways, how many times somebody needs a piece of music or a song, or if we can bring a piece of music into it that is unique to what is happening in that stream of togetherness that's happening in the church. I want to be able to do that. But also, I just want to do it for me. So when I'm by myself in my bedroom worshiping, I have no problem with writing that stuff and even just slapping it down in a rough recording. But I want to be more You, people who just like with, with writing prose, there is like a discipline to this. Unless you cultivate it, it really doesn't happen. So there's this tension between not getting stuck on the, oh, I have to put something together, but also saying you got to come and sit down and have the guitar or the piano in front of you with the scriptures open as you're reading and praying and as melody hits you to just be okay to write and sing and maybe record a little something and maybe others will find benefit from it. Maybe others will not. I guess it's like the blogging of
1: music, but you don't really put it anywhere. I don't know. Yeah. Well, you could, I mean, you could put it somewhere.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing is like maybe um working on some projects with some others. I, I have enough pieces of music that God has really blessed me to be able to put together and to use in some different settings corporately and I've I've long said, and I've had like such amazing opportunity to collaborate with so many great musicians where I'm writing just a skeletal structure of this piece and I'll be working with a cellist who's so talented and say to him, uh, like, Elijah, can you just, just play what comes to you and just play these glorious parts? And I've said, we need to record this. Like at some point, I want to record this. And the time is now to really start working through that just one at a time and bringing people together. We, I have the means to be able to do this. And it doesn't get done unless it gets done. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's probably time to start embarking on that because you can always just say we should record this. But at some point, if you really want to, you need to be like, all right, so how does Saturday work? We're going to go and just lay down some tracks yeah. and see what happens. So reading more with my wife and together and looking at her beautiful eyes and then writing some more more music. All right, this is a perfect way to round this out. What are you looking forward to in the big 2024.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think there are lots of things coming up. I mean, I, I, this is going to sound cheesy for us to round out the podcast this way. I'm looking forward to what the next year has for our show and for the podcast and for our community, because I think as I think about the different things you and I have sort of like, Dreamed about over the last year about what we want to do with the Reformed Brotherhood, and now hearing like where our our different passions and our different intentions and desires for the coming year are, like a lot of those things have a lot of affinity with the things that we've talked about in the past. For sure. So, like, I would love to grow the Reformed Brotherhood into a—I don't want to call it a ministry, an organization that produces things like. A, a newsletter like a, a weekly newsletter right. that comes to your to your inbox that has a quick hit theological subject or has a a brief thought on a on a question of the catechism something like that right or I would love and I'm not signing you up for this I didn't know you were going to put this on here but like I would love if we could write some music and like put some some psalms to music to be able yeah, to provide sure. for people to listen to and to be edified by. Or, you know, Brian uh, Save or Suave or whatever his name is. He has a whole series. What was that? Suave. Suave, Brian. I think it's Brian Save or whatever. I Uh, think it is. He has a whole series of catechism questions set to music yeah. Um, and and you know I don't want to cast a lot of shade on Brian Savi. Obviously, we run in different theological circles. I think he's a believer. I think he's a Christian brother. But I I wouldn't want to endorse most of what he does. I would love to be able to provide some resources that help people to engage the catechism questions and memorize them. And the one of the best ways to do that is little catchy tunes that you can yeah, sing in sure. the shower that get stuck in your head. So like I think that that's what I'm looking forward to is us being able to expand. What the Reform Brotherhood is and has to offer, um, in terms of like other things beyond this, just this like hour long podcast that we do every week. That's not a promise. I'm not like signing us up for some grand mission. But I I'm really excited about the prospect of integrating some of what I'm trying to do in my own personal life with increasing my writing and things like that. Integrating that into something we can offer to the community, I think, is what I'm looking forward to.
0: Yeah, that's great. I mean, you're right about that. There was like. I think it was two, years was over two, two, or three years ago now. I wrote a song for our church for a homegrown VBS. I talked about this. It was called "Lights Camera Jesus," yeah. and that's how the chorus starts. And you know, all music writing is given by God. All of that stuff comes through Him and by Him and by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I put together a piece of music. There are adults that still sing that to me regularly, and they're like, "I wish I could get this song out of my head." Um, I, you're, I'm with you on that. Like, what a what a beautiful tool! That's yeah. that's fantastic. I really thought you were going a different direction with this one. I really thought we just like teed this thing up. I thought you were going a
1: different direction for what you were looking forward to in 2024.
0: All right, I'll go. I'll go then. What, what, what you did you about.
1: think I was looking forward into 2024?
0: <laughs> well, I don't know because I don't know if you're going to say it or not.
1: I don't think I was.
0: Oh, okay, Probably not. Okay, never mind. Um, pay no attention to any of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, there's, there's no editing on this. You're going to hear this whole part. So uh, I'll go real quick. Um, what am I looking forward to in 2024? So I think that one of the things I'm looking forward to is, you know, I think my family is going to go through all kinds of uh, different changes. People are making changes in their careers. They're making changes as they continue to age. And I was thinking a lot about that recently, that for many people, that's going to be this year. There's going to be unknown things that are going to happen. That, And I always think, I think it was like, King George in one of his Christmas addresses many years ago because it's something to the extent of better than knowing the unknown is putting your hand in God as He leads you through the unknown. Yeah, and it's a weird metaphor, but I've always thought about this idea that as the year presents us with so many things, that when we get to the end of it, we'll be like, My word, that was a year, right? Yeah, and it'll just be all these things, and we'll go we'll look back to the pathos of God that kind of front end loading our thoughts about that and our fidelity to God as we wait upon him as these things that are uncertain only to us unfold before us. And so I think like the philosopher said it best, like, you know, every new beginning comes from some
1: other beginnings. end. so. (laughs) We should have a podcast where we just, we just quote pop songs in a contemplative cadence and they sound so profound when you do that. Uh they do we can even like slam poets. Right, you know, exactly. Kind of if I was like, hey, <laughs> hey now, you're an all star, get your game on, get paid. Like it just sounds profound. It does. So I'm I'm thinking of
0: 2024 in that way. I think maybe for many people, big life changes are ahead. And if you sense that they are, maybe you're on the precipice of those things. You know big things are going to change. There is like a little bit of that uh scary excitement. Of yeah. of wanting to see what God is going to do because we know that He's faithful to His children. And so I'm praying a lot for my family this year as they come into that year. And um I'm just really I am actually thrilled to see what God does because He is a God of new beginnings. That is yeah. His jam. All the while we look back and see His faithfulness. He's always prompting us forward into new lands, into uncharted territory, and to take this posture of going out in faith, not, not walking on the water. Not, I'm not going to quote. <laughs> I think he's just dead. Yeah, I tried to avoid it, but um, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. So, like, it's, oh, yeah, it's kind of sure. a weird thing to look forward to because I, um, I think that, uh, I, you know, Lord willing, well, I, we all got stuff, honestly. Like, I think all of us, like in our family, have got stuff where things are going to be happening, and we're going to be making some changes. Yeah. So, I'm excited to see how God moves among those things when He makes. Realized for us what he has known all along from eternity past as part of his great plan, yeah. then it's just such a blessing to be able to participate in those things.
1: I'm I'm with you. I, you know, I'm 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 40 years old. Um, I, it's not like I have had a huge long life of of wisdom to share with anybody. You know, God God willing, I'll have many more years in front of me to to accumulate wisdom, but one of the things that I try to latch on to is like as uncomfortable as change has been, like I've been through a lot of big changes in my life in the last 40 years, especially in the last, I don't know, like 15 years. I I can look back at all of those major changes and remember how nervous and anxious I was in the midst of those yeah, big changes. Sure. But then looking back at them first, They don't feel so big once you've made it through them. And second, they've always yielded some sort of blessing. God has always blessed me through whatever major changes are going on in my life. And so it's easy. I shouldn't say it's easy. It's a regular discipline, a regular practice that I engage in when some big change is coming. To think about the fact that the big changes in the past have been ways that God has changed and blessed me, so right. I think you're right. Like everybody is coming into a new year, everybody's coming into new circumstances. Um, there, most people don't know what those big new circumstances are yet because they're going to surprise you. But God is faithful, and he is is working these things out. I I don't know if there's a theme catechism question for our podcast, but if there was, it would be the first question of um, the—this will surprise people— the Heidelberg Catechism, and particularly the phrase, all things must be subservient to my salvation. Like, God is working all things to be subservient to the salvation of his elect. And so whatever big change, uh, whether we feel it's good or bad, whatever big change is coming in your year— that that is going to be subservient to your salvation. It's subservient to the good and glory of God and to the good of His people. So I think that's as as good a way for us to round out and start out uh, our 2024. I don't know, highlight looking forward episode, whatever we want to call this. Um, it, it's just going to be a great year, no matter what happens. It's going to be a good year. It's the year of our Lord 2024. So
0: let's let's get after it. And again, you know how to find us. You can find us online. Join the Telegram chat. If you want to give us a bounty, you can go to patreon.com backslash reform brotherhood. You can just bounty the podcast all day long. And it really is those bounties, the many bounties together, small and large, coming together to make sure that this continues to happen for these 375 episodes. Yeah. We've seen so much faithfulness in God and hopefully maybe you perceived it as well in the way in which uh, if you've listened to us for any length of time, you've seen how God continues to work in our own lives, how continues to change us. And Tony and I are changed people. Yep. And every time we sit down to talk, I'm reminded of that fact that we're not who we once were both in this written large sense that God has saved us and rescued us. And he continues by his grace to refine our minds and to bring this theology into a practical practice so that we really can love him. We can love others that are around us and we can serve him with really greater volition and greater energies. So I'm so thankful. Hopefully you've gotten to see some of that and, if you don't believe me, just go back to episode one. Yeah. And I mean, you'll just see how the podcast has changed. That's the bounties at work right there. There you go. It's just the
1: audio quality is the bounty at work right there. <laughs> well, Jesse, I feel like we could continue to, to talk about this. And we will continue to talk about this for the whole coming year, the different things God's doing in our lives and what he's going to be doing in our lives. There's a lot of stuff coming. We may not know what all of it is, but it's all going to be good and it's all going to be from God. And I think that's the best way for us to round this out. So Jesse, until... Next time, honor everyone, love the brotherhood,